Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, and comics, and more. So definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can find all our links on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And remember, use the hashtag ODPH, because we definitely want to interact with you. So let us kick off this week's entertainment edition talking about one of our favorite shows that has returned very strong Mm -hmm. coming building some steam coming out the gate very very strong and that is one agents of shield them agents them agents have decided to pull off the time heist per se kind of they're time jumping they're definitely making their last season very memorable and Mm -hmm. this episode was extremely strong yeah for being the fifth episode in the series thus far, for season rather, I should say. So we are going to be talking spoilers. So if you haven't yes. seen the episode yet and you want to, pause right here. Watch the episode and then jump back. But if you've already seen it and you want to deep dive into the conversation, step on up because we are going to start talking spoilers in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? I thought it was a very good episode. Um, it was interesting to see what because it's always interesting to see where they go in the timeline because we really don't know much about what's going on. We have some little nuggets and some little clues, some general ideas, but it's always fun to see where they end up and what's going on and kind of where things are in terms of shield and kind of the world. So I thought it was a really good episode. Some really interesting twists I didn't see coming. And I'm again, eager to see where they go next. Yeah. This one definitely almost felt like the mid season finale. Kind of. It had that vibe to it, which I liked because Obviously, this entire season, they're doing time jumping, Mm -hmm. and they're doing their best Legends of Tomorrow, best Doctor Who, however you want to interpret it. Mm -hmm. But for the final season, they're really trying to elevate the drama. They've really started picking up steam over the past couple episodes, because the first episode, when they came back with that was okay. Yeah. But now it feels like they're finally in their groove, and I definitely like the direction of this episode. Had a lot of high stakes in it, yeah. Because now we jump from the beginning of the season from the 1930s. They were in the 50s. Mm-hmm. They've now picked up Agent Souza from Agent Carter show, and now is when things are getting very tricky because they now wind up in the 70s, mm-hmm. and the agents have to almost go back to see what happened because obviously time travel. And being out of place, any action is going to cause a new timeline. Yeah, and it's always tricky to do time travel when you're just going to one point in time. So, I mean, we're sitting here in 2020. It's one thing for you and I to time travel back to, let's just say, the 50s mm-hmm. and and try and not mess anything up. That's a relatively, in theory, small pebble to drop in the proverbial pond. You know, the ripples aren't going to be too bad. But when you're jumping back in time to the 30s and then the 50s, and then the 70s, more than one ripple is going to cause a few waves. Oh, absolutely. And this is where the agents are really being noticed for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because now, as they come into 1973 for the beginning of this episode, which, by the way, the intro crawl. It's amazing. Amazing. Holy crap. The crawls for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season have been 
Oh, epic. Whoever whoever is responsible for uh, making those, kudos to you. Yeah, they have just definitely captured each time period they've been in. Mm-hmm. They've had a very cool vibe to them. So this is what we like seeing from the show. And they definitely ran with it this one. Like I said, the 70s one was definitely everything you expect from it. I'll say about the only thing missing was like the cheesy poses you would see the actors and actresses do when they were introducing people. You know, like they almost do like they're crossing the arms and lean and doing the head tilt or something like that. Yeah, it was definitely going to have something in it, but it definitely built up enough that now you have that vibe that they're having fun with yeah. it. They're definitely embracing their time travel adventures because let's face it, Shield has never really been known for that Legends of Tomorrow vibe. No. Definitely not Doctor Who. No. So anytime when you have a real time travel based show, mm-hmm. you have to embrace the absurdity of it. Well, and I think they're finally cutting loose a little bit with they have freedom. They're not constrained by any like adherences to, oh, you can't mention X or Y. You have to get to this point by midseason and to this point by the end of the year. Yeah, that's still kind of there and they still have their end point. But in terms of, oh, we're setting up this storyline, this plot line over the next couple seasons, and we got to make sure these people get to this point and this happens to that guy. Like, they don't really got to worry about that. They can just have fun with it. Yeah, because it's ultimately going to be retconned out of the MCU, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, this is a business out of their hands. Maybe, or they just ignore it entirely. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what's the fate of S.H.I.E.L.D. going to be after this season, but for right now, we're definitely enjoying what we're seeing. And mm-hmm. like I say, the trip to the 70s definitely had a lot of drama to it, yeah. and especially for the agents, they have to go back and see what damage they've caused. Yeah. Because now, when they originally were in 1931, they wound up at a speakeasy. Yep. And now that has turned into a S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, mm-hmm. so to speak, a an undercover one. Yeah. So now the team winds up going into 1973, and as they're going into the speakeasy, they find Project Insight mm-hmm. is being developed. Which, for any Marvel fans, should have raised a few uh, ears. Oh, definitely raised a few eyebrows. And it was also interesting because this is not supposed to happen for a few more decades. 40 years, if I remember the line correctly. Yeah. And, of course, who is leading this? Yeah, that'd be, uh, what the heck's his name? I'm blanking on the name. Wilfred Malik. Thank you, Wilfred Malik. Who is... Should be dead. Who should have died. Yeah. But now the timeline has been reset. Uh, yet again, another problem when you go back in time. Well, hey, hey, it, him being alive isn't entirely their fault. The only he, he probably would have died were it not for the Chronicoms being there. Right. And the Chronicoms were going to go back in time with or without the agents following them. Right, but still, it's anytime you have time travel and the Chronicoms yeah. definitely are, yeah. are causing a little more mayhem. And, because, they have, and they have no issue revealing like what's going to happen in the future or at least hinting at it. Yes, because they want to just completely destroy the timeline and everything going on with it until they get their ultimate plans done. Mm-hmm. Which does cause for some drama, and it yeah. definitely paid off here because now Malik is alive when he should have been dead three years prior. Yep. And now they basically said, okay, there's an uneasy alliance between the Chronicoms and, and Malik. Mm-hmm. So Hydra working with time travel, this is not going to end well for anybody. No, I mean, Malik's relationship with the Chronicoms almost reminded me a little bit of uh, in Empire Strikes Back when Lando was, quote unquote, working with the empire mm-hmm. and he's got that one famous line this deal gets worse and worse all the time i got the same kind of vibe like why am i doing this well exactly but they they wound up bailing him out when he needed it in, in the 30s and 50s like for where they've been in the timeline they've definitely yeah planted the seeds for now mm-hmm. and you're starting to see that slow reveal which i do like i mean it they, yeah but they one thing agents does very well is they do play the long game on their drama mm-hmm. always have but they don't make it so long that you're kind of like all right 
you know, kind of like with Flash uh, mm-hmm. this past season, where it's like, all right, just get it going, damn it. Yeah. You know, they they play the long game, but they'd string you long enough and keep it moving enough to to make it good. Yeah, it's enough that you're definitely entrenched in the story, mm-hmm. and especially seeing where the Chronicoms from the future yeah. are now rewriting the history of Shield and mm-hmm. Hydra too. Yeah. So the uneasy alliance definitely is trying to make their presence felt because once the agents are going undercover mm-hmm. and trying to work their angles to get as much information as they can to stop the Chronicoms, there is an attempt to be captured. Yeah. And it ultimately fails because Daisy has to use her powers. Mm-hmm. And once Daisy tips that off, Nathaniel, who is Malik's son, who should not be in this timeline. Well, it shouldn't exist, period. Right. Sees this. Yeah. So thus, another time anomaly. Yeah. Which is going to come back to haunt them later on, I feel. Maybe not this episode, but down the road, I think so. Mm-hmm. As they kind of do a slow buildup. Yes. But during this time period, though, Enoch is finally reunited with the agents. <laughs> 40 years later, Pad, break Greatest it down. Greatest line ever. So when Coulson and May and... and uh, Daisy and all them are trying to escape the clutches of the Chronicoms. They're looking for a getaway car, and Enoch shows up in this awesome-looking car. I don't know what it was. And he just looks at him and gives you the classic you know, spin on the infamous Arnold Schwarzenegger line, come with me if you would like to continue existing. Yes. I mean, it's so perfect. I mean, Enoch, mm-hmm. Enoch is just the ultimate person that should not be in that timeline and like I said, Joel Sofer is just running with it. Mm-hmm. And he just always delivers those deadpan lines yeah. that a robot should. And yeah. it just it balances out. Because like, we don't get to see him with Fitz as of yet. No. Because their back and forth is, is truly great. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely adapting to the team and, and being the man out of time. So that moment is a great moment. They finally get back to the Zephyr. They're reuniting on their plans. And at this point, too, the Chronicoms notice that Enoch is there and saves them and decides to jump ahead. Yep. So, thus, we don't spend a lot of time in 73 because we have to bump forward to, I believe it was 1976. Correct. And then this is where Project Insight is about to launch. Mm -hmm. So, the agents have picked up on this. They're there to try stopping it. And, of course, nothing really goes to plan. No, because you're trying to factor in not only preserving the timeline and, and ergo, their plan to stop Project Insight from... uh, uh, launching mm-hmm. was to blow up a strategic part of the lighthouse that it would flood the basement and therefore stop the launch. Albeit, I was kind of thinking when I was watching the episode, all right, that kind of is only of a temporary thing. You know, they'll just relaunch it a couple of years later when they can put it someplace else. But I digress. Um, yeah. You know, but so they got to blow a hole in the in the basement of the lighthouse so the project inside can't launch, but they can't blow too big of a hole because they got to preserve the lighthouse in the timeline. All the meanwhile, making sure those who need to stay alive in the lighthouse stay alive. Yes. So it's a very interesting situation they're in, mm-hmm. to say the least. But now the agents are in trying to stop Project Insight. Colson and May are doing what they can, but mm-hmm. you know, they get tipped off. And there is a very unique moment where Deke, of all people, yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm actually blown away. By how Deke has actually elevated his status with the team. I mean, Jeff Ward has always played the the comedic you know, relief. Comedic relief, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Just the guy that should not be a Shield agent. No, but yet he's making the most Shield moves this season. I'll say it's like if if he, if this is a movie, he should be the guy that like you've seen the background of a Bond movie when Bond is getting his gadgets from Q. Yeah, like this should this shouldn't be a guy that's like in the field actively taking parts in missions. Yeah, it's absolutely wild to see that he's 
being the best shield agent right mm-hmm. now, which looking at that roster, I mean, we, we've already talked about Daisy. Yeah. Something's going on with her because she is acting completely irrational for mm-hmm. not respecting the timeline. Something's going on with Yo-Yo. Yeah. May is back from the dead and, and pissed as all hell. Pissed as all hell and got powers. Colson is an LMD. Colson's just trying to figure out life. Yeah. So, of course, Deke now being the, gosh, this just sounds so weird saying the lead agent. Well, and let's not forget, you've got Gemma, who's kind of like the head on, on time travel and figuring out where they are and this and that. Something's going on with her, let's not forget, because there is the shot early in the episode where Deke, I believe, is talking to her, and she's kind of like wants nothing to do with it. She's like, I think Deke was talking to her about, listen, you and you and my dad really need to get together because if you don't, you know, I'm not going to exist. And you know, and maybe that he goes, maybe that would be a good thing because you know I've made some mistakes in my life, and it'd be good to uh, redo that and try and avoid those lives and those mistakes. And she goes, wouldn't avoiding those mistakes require some preparation? And he goes, oh, noted. I'll leave you to it then. And she kind of rubs the back of her neck almost as if, you know, oh, you've got a headache or something and pulls her hair away. And there's those three lights that are in the back of her neck. Yeah, I'm almost wondering if she's a chronic and they don't know. I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's why I was early predictions on that. It's like something's not right with her. Mm-hmm. I think she got swapped out for At some point. Yeah, some, something happened somewhere because mm-hmm. obviously we haven't seen Fitz yet. Nope. Simmons, I could definitely see it. And it, I mean, who knows who that could be. I'm also wondering when that would have happened because I don't remember a time where she went missing. No, the only time I could, I, I think something could have happened is when Fitz and her were tied up to that memory machine. Oh, that, that's true. That they were reliving their their that's memories true. through you each know other. What? I didn't think of that. That's the only thing I could, I'm sitting there watching. I'm going, maybe that's like yeah. a leftover plot hole yeah. that we, yeah, could, yeah, yeah. we could spin, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Could be. I mean, that's what I say. The, the one thing about doing future villains you can always have a loophole to rewrite yeah. something and, yeah. and add something in there. Yeah. So with that being said, though, I mean, with Deke being the lead agent, because mm-hmm. Yo-Yo is a shell of herself this season, Yeah. they wind up confronting Wilfred mm-hmm. Malik at this time. And what happens now? Uh, Wilfred starts monologuing, as villains do, which I found it funny. Uh, earlier in the episode, Yo-Yo makes mention of a Bond villain uh, hideout. Mm-hmm. And then a couple, up, a couple uh, minutes later... Uh, Wilfred starts monologuing like a Bond villain. Yeah. And, and much in a very James Bond style, Deke just goes, all right, had enough of this, and just shoots him. Yeah. Which, where has this man been? Uh-huh. All of a sudden, let's just backtrack just a second. This is, what, the third time this season uh-huh. alone he's been ready to shoot somebody. Yeah. Deke. And, and who was with him? Was it was it Yo-Yo that was with him in the room? Oh, yeah. And I love Yo-Yo's reaction where she was essentially like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. And he's basically threw his hands up in the air like, what? He's not supposed to be here. You know, time anomaly. I took care of the anomaly. Yeah, which he does not realize the fact that because he was alive this long, the timeline's already rewritten. So mm-hmm. in theory, to fix that time anomaly, you got to go back in time again, kill him when he was supposed to be killed. It's just more mess. Yeah, it's more the mess that is time travel. Mm-hmm. Like I say, few shows can pull it off very well. Legends does a good job with yeah. it. Doctor Who has been doing it for years, so oh God, I mean, yeah. they've set the blueprint for it. I know I'm missing a couple other ones. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. But for S.H.I.E.L.D., they still have not grasped this idea. No. 
why are you messing with the timeline? They're just kind of going by this, uh, flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah, and it's definitely showing off because they're being very irresponsible with what they're doing. Yeah, very shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, which is not helping anybody. No. Because, I mean, during this whole attack on the base that has Project Insight, you have Colson May. They're trying to run around and, and obviously destroy the lighthouse. You're having Daisy and Souza mm-hmm. now running around, and they get captured. Yep. And at this point, too, because Daisy revealed her powers, she's now going to be used her powers against her, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, yeah. that's how it's kind of playing off. Meanwhile, on the Zephyr, you got Mac and Simmons, who are trying to figure out what to do now, because Malik it was already kind of setting the seeds that you can't stop what's already going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should clarify, because it was it was Nathaniel who was kind of saying that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. No matter what was going to happen, because Mac is ready to stop the detonation because he winds up seeing his parents being held captive at the base. Right. They're they're being held. They're prisoners are in the basement of the White House. And if they blow a hole in the White in the, the White House, they blow a hole in the uh, lighthouse, uh, the basement will flood and kill his parents before he is ever born. Yeah. So now the timeline stakes are that much higher. Uh-huh. And it's absolutely wild to see just how all of a sudden the drama and intensity of this episode really picked up on the last half of the show. Yeah. Like I remember live tweeting with uh, Dre, shout out to Dre. And like we were just going back and forth like what is going on right now? And every minute of that was just escalating. And then yeah. finally like this was like I say it had that mid-season finale feel. Kind of. Because the last 10 minutes this is when you had Deke do the shooting. You had Nathaniel catch Daisy and Souza, mm-hmm. and then you had Mac coming up with a hard decision. Okay, what do I do? Do I allow Insight to launch or not? Yeah. Ultimately, he winds up blowing up Insight, mm-hmm. giving their stealth away. Yep. So now they're being caught wide open. Which is something that the Chron- let's not forget something the Chronicoms planned for. Yeah. Because when the the Zephyr left 1973, the Chronicoms went to visit Wilfred and gave him a, a folder. And, and he looked at it, and they said, oh, you know, you need to take care of this or whatever the heck they said. And Wilfred looks at him and goes, well, why don't we just add him to the list? Because much like the movie Captain America Winter Soldier, there was a whole list of people they were going to target with Project Insight. Mm-hmm. And who was on the list? Bruce Banner. Yes. Young Bruce Banner, which was a cool Easter egg. Yeah, very cool Easter egg they did. Um, You know, Wilfred goes, well, why don't we put him on the list? And and I think, the, I forget what the, exactly what the Chronicom said. It was something to the effect of, well, that's just too easy, or something like that. Oh yeah, they have their super villain moment. They had their reasoning for it, and come to f- and I'm willing to bet the name they put on the list, or the name the names that they gave to Wilfred were uh, Max Parents, mm-hmm. and that's why they were at the at the lighthouse, not automatically killed. Yeah, I think everything was just a slow setup. Because that- if I'm not mistaken, they said if you follow this method and do this. Shield will reveal themselves. Yeah. Oh, they. Which was a weird. Which uh, the first time watching through it, I was like, "It's a weird phrase." Like you're already infiltrating Shield. They'll reveal themselves for what? And then, I, and then they reveal the Zephyr. I'm like, "Oh." Yeah, because the Chronicoms have been sitting there waiting on them. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the thing that Shield has really been showing this season. They're looking very inexperienced. Yeah. And especially for being a team that has been around for a few years, they're getting behind the eight ball every time and they're and they're getting behind the eight ball with the chronicoms learning because in that same conversation uh the chronicoms tell wilfred you know you taught us something that day in whatever year it was about about human emotions Mm -hmm. and and what they're willing to do so 
what they learned from Wilford's actions led them down the path to, hey, why don't we figure out who Mac's parents are? Why don't we get him into the lighthouse? Yeah, because he's the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Uh-huh. So, obviously, this has been a play to take over S.H.I.E.L.D. in every single aspect. And how the episode ends, too, with Nathaniel making a, an idea of stealing Daisy's powers. Uh-huh. And who does he plan on calling? One Daniel Whitehall. Yeah. If you've been following S.H.I.E.L.D. throughout the years, you know this is not a good phone call. No. And this is how the the episode ends, which I loved how it did because yeah. it, it was almost like a quick fade to black. And, I, and I'll be honest, until I rewatched the episode, I completely forgot that Daisy and Souza didn't get rescued. I was like, oh, wait, that's right. Yeah, no, no they didn't get rescued. They completely walked into a trap, mm-hmm. which, I mean, hey, you expect with shows like this. Was it a trap or was it just a conveniently like, hey, I know you're going to be in the area, so let me just kind of keep an eye out. See, it had a vibe to me that was a trap. Okay. That I think the Chronicoms have been that far ahead. That's true. To pick up on it. Just the only thing that I think is helping S.H.I.E.L.D., and I know this is going to sound like a weird take, but mm. it is what it is. The fact they have Sozo with them, yeah. I think, is throwing their timeline off for the Chronicoms yeah. to follow them. Yeah, because he's not supposed to be there. Right. So it's another anomaly that is playing into the factor of it. Right. I know it sounds real crazy, but. Oh, so the Chronicoms are going off of the history that they know and they're aware of, and the history they know and they're aware of does not feature Daniel Souza. Right, because Daniel Souza is presumed dead. And- Mm-hmm. So this is where things are going to get very interesting, and especially how it had that big moment feel at the end. Yeah. Because now, what happens with S.H.I.E.L.D.? What happens with everybody that's captured? What, 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 what? Mm-hmm. That's what we have to wait for. It's going to be a fun episode as we're watching yeah. tonight yeah. as we're recording. But still, Pad, there's a lot of questions they have to answer. But I love this season, though. For the fact they're tying in so much history yeah. of the MCU. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome and something I wish they would have done, you know, not excessively, but like tidbits here and there. Yeah, I definitely think so because I think we've been very critical about season six. Yeah. Hasn't been the best one yeah. ever, but, and obviously season one was the worst one. Yeah. I think that's a, yeah. a very popular theory. Yeah. But this season, it looks like they've taken that challenge of we want this to be our legacy season. And they're really pulling out all the stops from deep diving into the history of the MCU, including some uncharted water that we haven't walked. This is where S.H.I.E.L.D. is really excelling at. And they're mm-hmm. tying in everything to their show that I think if you're a longtime viewer of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you're going to feel that payout just more than the casual fan that's been jumping on past couple seasons. But they're ending the show on the right way. It's a big moment feel now. You, mm-hmm. you're, and obviously with... What just about eight more episodes left? Something like that, yeah. You're really getting the sense that the stakes are getting that much higher. I don't think we're going to have too much filler episode. No, I don't. Th- no, I don't think so. There's, there's no time to. Right, there definitely isn't. No but, pun intended. But as you're seeing how they're progressing in time, now they're in 1976. Mm-hmm. You have to assume they're going to get to the 80s. Yep. And then you have to assume that they're going to be at the 90s at some point. And then maybe where it ends is the beginning of Iron Man One. Could be. Because that, just trying to do the timeline on this now, they're doing so much jumping around that something has to give. I w- well, I, I would imagine they'll end up kind of where Iron Man w- 1 is, but I would hope that they end present time and we get a connection to the snap. Because, hey, it's the final season. Why the hell not include it at this point or mention it? Oh, I definitely would. In fact, if I was the producer's agent shield, I would so find a way to enter them into the endgame. Mm. just a big battle at the end just yeah. like a, a hidden portal that nobody sees them in yeah like i just i would love to see him do something like that but no I, I agree with you i think that they need to tie it into 
the next phase of the MCU and whatever happens after that. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. The only thing we know is Black Widow is allegedly coming out in November, hopefully. Yep. yep. And the Eternals is going to follow after. And there's a slate of movies that are scheduled as well. The, the MCU TV shows are starting to slowly pick up production again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be resuming filming very shortly. Uh, WandaVision is done mm-hmm. with the exception of some, they got to reshoot a couple things and do a couple pickup shots. Don't know about what if what if is kind of easier to do though, just because that's not live action per se. It's it kind of animated, whatever it's going to be with voiceovers. Right. So that is where it is. But I do know for a fact WandaVision is basically done. Right. So there is some room for agents of shield to jump back in. And if they want to tie themselves into the next phase, they can. Mm-hmm. If they want to have it end before Infinity War, they can do it there. They have a lot of possibilities now, and it's going to be really fun to watch. I just don't know how they're going to wind up ending the season. But if this episode is any indication, I think we're in for a great ride. Yeah. And I can't wait to see the next episode. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about this past week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and what do you think the direction of the show is going to be moving forward? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Kyle and Nick, and we're from Dem Fancy Dinosaurs, a weekly comedy podcast revolving around movies, TV shows, and pop culture. We release a new episode every Thursday, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts? Why did you say that like a question? I don't know. Okay, anyway, yes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any of the podcatchers, or you can look up www.demfancydinosaurs.com. Thanks guys, stay fancy, and enjoy the rest of the show. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. We have to talk some Stargirl. Uh-huh. Pat, have you caught on yet? No. You need to. This might be one of the best shows on TV right now. Okay. Not going to lie. Happily surprised with this. Albeit, though, this episode, it did have some stuff that I didn't like as much as I have in the past episodes. But the good of this episode really stands out. Really? Yes. And I will break this down because you know the deal. We are talking spoilers, and we already read through the play-by. If you haven't seen the episode, you want to pause it. Then jump in the conversation because I'm deep diving in three, two, one. So what did I think? I like this episode. They did a lot of good character development. Mm-hmm. Albeit, though, had a lot more teenage drama wackiness. Sure. That I don't dig as much. Sure. Because this entire episode has been based around what happens with the Justice Society now working with Stripesy about becoming a team Mm -hmm. and they have to really come together and make things happen sure because obviously breck bassinger is uh, accustomed to being now the leader Mm -hmm. of the justice society of america as star girl yvette monreal playing wildcat angelica washington dr midnight and cameron gelman is playing our man so that is your core team and you have the one only luke wilson playing pat dugan aka stripes Mm -hmm. that is your team right there But the one thing that they're dealing with is they're so young and they're so inexperienced, they barely survived their meeting against the Sportsmaster and Tigress. Oh, boy. 
that they now have to find a way to start training together. And Pat is very old school in his methods because mm-hmm. he sets them up at their, his garage and has like the, the private room yeah. where he has like, it almost looks like cutout figures, mm. but made from like uh, tires and, and, okay. and other stuff from the garage. But Courtney is so like, I have the cosmic staff. I can do whatever I want. Sure. And doesn't want to work with the team. And she's just so like amped up to try to stop the Injustice Society almost by herself that she's now alienating herself from the team. Mm-hmm. Because now the team was like, really, we need to start training. We need to make this happen. And they've all, and Pat's like, listen, we'll just try again tomorrow. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't deal with this. Because on the flip side of this episode, this was dedicated to really deep diving into the character of Cindy Berman, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Shiv, who's played by Megan DeLacy, who, like I've been talking about from the entire time we've covered the show, she's the mean girl sure. of the show. Yep. And she's the daughter of the villain Dragon King, who's a member of the, of the Injustice Society. And this one, you really start finding out why she is how she is. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that I thought they did a really good job is showing how she's grown up alienated from her dad. Mm -hmm. And it's almost that she's really tried standing out and she's so detached that she can't make friends and she can't connect with people. Mm Mm-hmm. And the one thing that she's really been trying to do is really connect with her dad. And it's very funny because at her house that I I don't remember how many stepmoms she's had, Mm -hmm. but she comes home from school and just completely doesn't want to deal with anybody because she's had a bad day because obviously she's more worried about the the dance that she's supposed to be going to with her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. his brainwave son, and that's fallen through because he has not been able to hold it together since his dad is in a coma. Yeah. And she is basically been telling her dad the the dragon king like listen can i break up with him already because this is not working he's not helping and i can definitely help the injustice society another way Mm -hmm. and it's so weird to see like she's just been the ultimate super villain thus far yeah and her dad uh who i'm not exactly sure what is going on in the basement of that house probably nothing good no it's definitely not because he has his minions around that he's dare I say, I think creating mm-hmm. uh, almost like Dr. Doom clones, but like oh, on a boy. very lesser, oh boy. lesser level. I want to very stress this. And all of a sudden you see Cindy cut one of them, like mm. slit him in the throat. And she now has knives in her wrists. A la X 23. Is this a good thing for somebody to have like that? Uh, probably not. No. And this is where she is getting basically saying, like, I'm ready to go. I can do this. We can, you know, I can help the Injustice Society. We can stop the JSA. And her dad is telling her, you need to fall back, basically, Mm -hmm. that you're not ready. And you can definitely see as she's now, like, okay, dejected. She's going back to school. And they wind up having this uh, very cliche, uh, who has a lab partner? Okay, Mm -hmm. well, Courtney needs one. Cindy winds up coming together and you start digging into the history of Cindy is very good with dealing with chemicals. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, my dad was a chemist. I've been doing this since I was five years old. Sure. And you see her just making stuff like out of nowhere. So they wind up obviously doing well in the class. And then Cindy is like, you know, are you going to the dance? Cause uh, I forget. It was like the homecoming dance or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. And uh, cause Henry is not going cause he's, you know, too overwhelmed with grief with his dad. 
And Courtney's like, no, I'm not. And she's like, okay, we'll just hang out. So, like, you see, like, the frenemies mm. thing happening mm-hmm. where just, like, all of a sudden, Courtney, who has been very anti Cindy, yeah. is all of a sudden like, hey, let's go hang out. Let's be good. And it's a little weird. It, yeah. Well, it just felt so forced. Okay. Like, like, out of, like, the build up there is out of nowhere. Yeah. And I guess this is one point that I didn't much like as much from the show is just a lot of the drama involving the kids for this show. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, well, it was a lot because they have also had this side plot with Mike, Pat's son, mm-hmm. is like very jealous now of the attention Courtney's getting from him. Gotcha. Because he doesn't know what's going on with the team. And he basically decides to unload this on Courtney at the Friday night football game. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a weird scenario. Then... As Courtney's left alone, Icicle's son comes down and sits with her and asks her to go to the homecoming dance. And she's like, well, I promised I was going to hang out with Cindy, but I'll just tell her I'm not going. Sure. So during the middle of the game, she goes down to where Cindy is cheerleading and decides to tell her I'm not going to the game. Ugh. Now, I, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. I'll admit that. But... That was like way too forced. Middle of the game, Cindy just takes off from the middle of the game. Yeah. Like nobody notices what's going on. Yeah. It was kind of a weird scenario in that sense that it was just like the complete high school drama was just building on this. Mm-hmm. And then during this time, Courtney's kind of walking around and, and trying to do a little investigating. And she winds up trying to investigate the principal of the school, too, and obviously gets in her costume. This also tips off Cindy because she's so dejected. She goes through the building, and she notices that somebody has triggered the secret entrance mm-hmm. that's in the school, which was kind of like, uh, like I say, it was very cliche, sure. but it is what it is. And then Cindy winds up getting her costume. So she has a suit of, like, I want to say body armor. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. It's not like Iron Man, but it, right, right, but right. it is a full suit. Sure. With a flame-throwing staff All right. that she steals. All right. So let us put this in perspective. In one corner, we have Stargirl. Yep. Who has a cosmic staff. Correct. That's it. No yep. superhero powers. Yep. In the other corner, we have Shiv, who is basically X-23 with armor and a flame-throwing staff. Money's on Shiv. Yeah. This fight was very good. I will say this. The choreography for this fight, the camera work, they had a lot of 360 cameras going for this, yeah, okay. which I really liked. Yeah. And it was everything you wanted to see, except the one thing that I'm sitting there watching. Cindy did not have a mask. Okay. Courtney did. Okay. Cindy could not figure out that that's Courtney. I'm sure she does. She noticed, but well, like, it was completely like not active. And I'm just sitting there going, like, all right, how are you running around not having a mask and mm-hmm. what's going on with this? Like, I think it was just a lot of that going on that it didn't take enough away from the episode to say I didn't like it. Sure, but it pulled you out of it a little bit. It definitely pulled me out of it a little bit. I was like, okay, and I understand I'm probably focusing too much on it, but at the same chance, it's like uh, I don't know. Like, this is really. I don't know. Too too high school cliche. Like mm-hmm. okay, like is the same drawback I had with Arrow the first season. Yeah. All right. Oliver Queen's just running around with a hood on. Yeah. You can't tell it's Oliver Queen, the biggest celebrity in all of Star City. I mean, to be fair, I feel like a lot of uh, card cartoon comic television shows do that. You know, outs, outside the Smallville, you know, didn't wear the suit until the last season. 
when Clark was going around saving the day and stopping things in some of the early seasons of Smallville, it was in a t-shirt, blue jeans, and a red jacket. Yeah. Which, I mean, I get the symbolism, I get what they're going for, but it's kind of the same token. He's not exactly, when I get it, he has super speed, but still, like, he's stopping and catching cars and throwing things and all this stuff in, like, his street clothes. Like, it's literally the same clothes that he'd be wearing at his parents' farm. Oh, no, I got to go take care of this thing in this other part of town. Here, let me just run there. Yeah, it's kind of like a wild thing going on. It's a comic TV show thing. Yeah, I know. Which, like I say, I I didn't take enough away from me that I was tuned out from the episode. Mm -hmm. But it was enough that I'm, like, going, all right, I I don't really buy this. But I will say this. The fight scene developed. I like it that they finally let Cindy loose. And to become the villain that she was always going to be. And another thing from this episode that I thought they did a really good job with, Mm -hmm. even from the beginning when they were introducing the team and they were having the practice, one thing I almost forgot to talk about, Pat was explaining the Injustice Society. Sure. Like his interpretation. And it was a good 101 for new viewers. That's that's a good idea. And I thought it was smart because they explained the Gambler, they explained Sportsmaster, they explained Tigress, and his interpretation. Mm -hmm. He didn't do a full deep dive. But he did enough that it was like, okay, if I wasn't sure why the gambler, who they really haven't touched upon too much of why he's so important, yeah, it made sense. See, that would that's that would have been good for a viewer like me. Whereas with like, okay, when Smallville was coming out, I knew by and large who most of the villains were. There might have been an occasional random one that I was like, wait, I had to look up. Mm-hmm. But because I'm a Superman fan, I knew who they were. Same can be said for a few of the uh, Flash's villains. But when it came to Arrow. Outside of, you know, him having a, a supporting cast member role in Smallville and then the couple episodes of the Justice League animated series he was featured on, I know Jack Diddley hoo-ha about the Arrow. Right. So Arrow villains are showing up and, and other people are freaking the hell out. And I'm like, okay, who is he? Don't know. Yeah. No, I thought they did a good job. Just a brief explanation. They didn't go deep dive. They just gave enough that you knew who they were. You knew who Grundy was. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like enough that you could understand the threat level. Like they didn't go into Icicle and they didn't go into Brainwave. But they've also had their own episodes. So for the viewers, you had enough for the characters you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So you should be more or less caught up, which yeah. I, I liked. I thought it was a very smart move to yeah. do. And especially now as they're progressing with the kids that you have the young JSA, but they're almost telegraphing a little bit. Sure. That if Stargirl gets renewed, which I fully think it's going to get renewed. I would imagine. They're going to have a kid Injustice Society. Ooh, okay. They're telegraphing that a little too much because okay. the one thing that we saw this episode is Henry, Brainwave's son, is now slowly developing telepathy. Ooh, okay. And this is like out of nowhere, but obviously he's now coming to fruition that he has powers. We also see Cameron, Icicle's son, starting to develop ice powers. Ooh. So you're seeing that slowly develop. With Cindy now, we're finally seeing that she has had powers, mm-hmm. albeit though her dad is is the scientist of the town and is hiding the experiments he's doing, which yeah. is apparently like he's creating clones to be his minions. And obviously he must there must have been some kind of experimentation he did on her. Mm-hmm. We don't know, but let's face it, she's X twenty three on this show. Yeah. Which is a scary, scary situation. Yeah. But they're like I said, they're telegraphing that a little too much, but I'm not mad about it because thinking where they're going to possibly go for next season, you have to do something. Uh, yeah, you would imagine. Yeah, you definitely have to. But getting back to where we are in the episode, so we've had this drama where, like I said, Courtney has alienated herself from the rest of the team. You didn't see them for the most the rest of the episode sure. from the beginning. She's alienated herself from her her stepbrother who 
I know Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming is thinking he's going to be a member of the JSA. I'm not doubting that. I'm not sure. But we also see the big fight go down, and Shiv is absolutely wiping the floor right. with Stargirl. And she's almost going to get killed, except the janitor, mm-hmm. of all people, of course, saves her with an enchanted sword. Oh. Like blocks it, and then Cindy takes off. Interesting. Even though Pat comes screaming, Courtney, Courtney, as the janitor disappears. Yeah. Now, the janitor we all thought, uh, at least the uh, people I've been talking with online about, was the violinist who okay. who is going to be another member who is the, the principal right now is actually working for the Injustice Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like a like almost like a Pied Piper. Sure. And I thought, okay, originally how it was sounding, I thought the janitor was going to be the original one, but no, he is actually a hero. And I have to give credit to Dre again too, because I had no idea who this was going to be. Because okay. no, the one thing about the JSA, if you're not too familiar with a comic, yeah. It's like the Legion of Superheroes. They have had a lot of team members sure. throughout the history of the JSA. I'll say it's kind of like the Avengers with uh, Marvel Comics. There's been a few people in the Avengers. Right. So I was sitting there thinking, okay, who has a sword in the JSA? And the only thing I could think of, and I know I'm stretching, and if, if you're a very uh, familiar of the 90s comic era of DC... I thought it was the weird version of Doctor Fate that didn't have the helmet and had the sword. Wow! Right after zero, it's a it was a weird time. Yeah, weird time. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that one. Was Grant Morrison involved? No, this was when everybody was trying to be hardcore and edgy. Yeah, and and real gritty. Grunge. Yeah, yeah. And how they tried changing up Doctor Fate. To, like, didn't they give uh, Superman a mullet for a few years there? They did. Yeah. 90s comics, man. Yeah. Scary time. Yep. Absolutely frightening. So I thought, okay, I was like, maybe they're going to make him fate. And I said that'd be a real curveball. But no, he's actually the Shining Knight. Hmm. Now, if you are not familiar, because I'll be honest, I wasn't familiar. No. And I have not heard from this character in eons. And, I'll, and I will admit, I have not read the Stars and Stripes limited series that happened way back when. Mm-hmm. That is, this show is based off a lot. He's a, an, a longtime member of the JSA. I always refer to him as the equivalent of um, the the Black Knight from okay. the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He has an enhanced sword, Merlin. He, you get that kind of vibe from him. Right. And I know in the comics, he had amnesia mm-hmm. at this point. I don't know if he has amnesia right here because he knew something was up and right. he came running with a sword. Right. So he winds up saving the day. And he's definitely watching what's happening in the background. So there's going to be more with him coming down the road. But for overall, I thought the the strengths outweighed the bad from this episode. Yeah, like I sounds said. like it. Yeah, well, the, like I say, this show has been clicking so much that I don't want to say this was an off episode because it really wasn't. Right. It just felt to me like they were really trying to force the drama with Courtney alienating herself from her friends mm. to force the frenemy ship with Cindy. Mm. And that, like that just felt really forced to me. Like it yeah. just it just didn't didn't have a good organic feel to it that it made sense for the story. Albeit though, it did establish why Cindy is who she is. And then they and they really touch upon her character just being so isolated and being wanting to be accepted by her dad because her her mother had died years earlier. Yeah. And apparently, like from what they said, I think this was like the second stepmom she's had, mm-hmm. or maybe third. I don't. I don't know. But you understand her character a little bit more 
And I think they needed to touch upon it, that she wasn't just the mean girl at school. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for it. But now, I mean, she's fully embraced her evilness. Yeah. And where they're going to go for next week, I don't know. Like, I'm really trying to figure out. I know that the episode is titled Shiv Part 2. Right. But who the heck knows, who knows what they're doing. But I will say, overall, absolutely loved the show so far. Love everything I've seen about it. And, like, how they're doing the quick break. Like, everything, the, the little small developments where, like, you're seeing how the the Injustice Society 2.0 is coming. Mm-hmm. You get the update, the 101, which, like, I thought was a great touch they did, especially for being episode 7 in the series. Right. That if you still weren't sure, okay, why is this character involved, this one, this one, this one, it made sense, and you explain it, and it, it, it flows. It really did. Like I said, the only thing I, I thought was a drawback was the teenage drama. And I understand it's a kid's show yeah. in that aspect, but I just thought it was, like, really forced out of left field. But not enough to say it was a bad episode because it wasn't. It was actually really good. I highly recommend the show. If you haven't watched it, you need to get started on it. DC Universe drops it Monday. CW, I believe, is Tuesday. However you need to watch it, get watching it. Stargirl is definitely one of the best shows out right now if you are definitely into comic book shows. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Shout out to Dre, too, because he's live tweeting during it as well, too. So definitely need to follow him, at DreDriven83. What is your thoughts about Stargirl so far? Did you love this episode? Did you hate it, and why? And where do you think the rest of the season is going? Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a true fan and lover of this industry then tune into the cheers to comics podcast three times a week as i brian wayne raise a glass to this wonderful wonderful industry that is comics cheers hey what's going on everybody this is george gatton and you are listening to the ocho duro harley hour entertainment edition Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we're doing an extended edition of One Shots. Mm-hmm. Kind of a little quiet to really draw one subject out for a full segment, so we said let's hit you with as much as we can. Yeah. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Because uh, I got a lot. Again, uh, this one, first one coming from Deadline, a little interesting, a little, and quite honestly, exciting. Uh, Walmart and the Tribeca Films are partnering on uh, to have drive-in movie theaters in their retailer's parking lot. Uh, according hmm. to an article from Deadline, Walmart and Tribeca Enterprises have teamed up to turn the retail giant's parking lots in 160 locations across the country into drive-in movie theaters to help liven up a summer marred by COVID-forced social distancing. Movies will be programmed by the Tribeca Drive-In team in August through October for a combined 320 family-friendly showings, including special appearances from filmmakers and celebrities and concessions delivered to customer vehicles. 
The lineup wasn't released, but more information will be available closer to the start. Customers can pick up picnic items curbside at Walmart stores before the movies. Uh, the article goes on to say the July program will show Wonder Woman, Space Jam, and other films with a mix of ticketed and free events honoring frontline workers at locations in Arlington, Texas, Pasadena, California, Nassau County, New York, and Orchard Beach in the Bronx. So definitely something to check out uh, in your local area because who knows? You might be able to go down to your local Walmart and check out a drive-in movie. Kind of wild in an yeah. idea, but you know what? Definitely during this time period, it's like, yeah, I can't argue that. Can't no, argue not that at one. all. Uh, sticking with the movies, uh, looks like Marvel's next film that they are currently filming because obviously Wonder Woman, or not Wonder Woman, uh, Black Widow is filmed and done. Eternals is in post-production. It looks like uh, Marvel is aiming to begin filming again on Shang-Chi. Uh, They're prepping to restart filming at the end of July. Uh, according to a, a source from down in Australia to Deadline, uh, quote, the cast and crew of Shang-Chi who travel to Australia will be quarantined upon arrival per the country's guidance. Accommodations for those in quarantine are uh, identified by the government. Uh, of course, Shang-Chi halted first unit filming in March after director uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton self-isolated over concerns he'd contracted the coronavirus and his test did come back negative. And then obviously with things going the way they did, they stopped production altogether. But it does appear that they're getting ready to resume filming on it again. Uh, because, like I said, Black Widow's done and in the can. Just got to wait for that to come out. Eternals is in post-production, according to the IMDb page. And then after that, it is uh, the untitled Spider-Man film, which I did read the other day. Marvel and Sony are looking at starting filming that in September. So, hey, we're looking at more Marvel content soon. As long as everybody's safe and healthy doing this, I'm yes. all right with it. So I, yes. got, I have no issue, obviously... Uh, we are like a lot of people right now itching to get back to the theaters mm-hmm. and get back to the way things were. But as long as everybody's being safe yeah. about it, sure. And, you know, Shang-Chi, I think, man, that's going to be a sleeper film. I think so. I, I think it's going to do real well just because I know the gentleman, I forget the name of the actor. Simeon Liu. Thank you. Uh, is a big fan of the character and a big fan of Marvel in general. So I think he's going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah. So. Uh, switching with more, staying with more movies, I should say. I uh, got some interesting Jurassic World Dominion news. Obviously, the previous two Jurassic World films, mixed reviews, uh, did well financially, but you know, in, in terms of how fans received them, a little mixed. I uh, got some interesting news today, though, from uh, Sam Neill. Uh, he revealed in an interview with Yahoo Movies UK uh, that Alan Grant, Ian Malcolm, and Ellie Sattler will play, play an integral part. Uh, of the upcoming film Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, he said, he, of course, he is uh, set to uh, reprise his iconic role as Dr. Alan Grant. Uh, he said in the interview that he cannot wait to reunite with his dear friends Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern on set. In fact, he went on to say he's raring to go as he has been gearing up to restart production after an almost four-month hiatus, of course, due to the C-19 outbreak. Uh, he was asked, it, and then, uh, of course, I believe Ian Malcolm showed up in the last one for all of, like, a scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was asked if it's gonna if it's gonna be a couple of scenes or a more substantial role. Uh, he uh, Neil revealed that his character plays a sizable part in the next installment, together with Goldblum's Ian Malcolm and Dern's Dr. Ellie Sattler. Uh, he said, "Quote: We're all the way through the film, Jeff and me and Laura." He stated, though he also admitted that he quote probably wouldn't be running quite as fast as he did 27 years ago. Yeah. So definitely something interesting and maybe something to give it a little injection in the in the lifeblood because like I said their last two movies are all right nothing really special nothing to really write home about but hopefully you know injecting some of the old blood into it will do something for them I'm, you know me I'm not the biggest Jurassic guy in the world yeah but I still I, it's gonna be a fun thing for those yeah. that are fans of that yeah. I'm, I'm not hating on it yeah 
switching to some Disney Plus announcements. Of course, we talked last week uh, about some Comic-Con at home stuff going on. Disney Plus today uh, revealed some of their panels. I'm sure they're going to be having more. Uh, but the ones they announced today are as follows. Uh, they're having uh, one that is on Thursday, July 23rd at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Again, don't know where any of these are going to stream. That's kind of one thing I'm wondering. Mm. Uh, they have one that is a, in, a look inside Marvel's 616 on Disney+, Plus, uh, which is described as Marvel's 616 explores how Marvel's rich legacy of stories, characters, and creators exist within the world outside your window. Each documentary, helmed by a unique filmmaker, explores the intersections of storytelling, pop culture, and fandom within the Marvel Universe. Join directors Gillian Jacobs, Paul Shear, and executive producers Sarah Amos and Jason Sturman as they discuss the making of this Disney Plus original anthology series with, moder- with moderator Angelique Rocher. Interesting. And I can only say that name because she's uh, her name's been read like a hundred times in the Marvel uh, scripted podcasts. Hey, the fact that Marvel's getting ready to kick off San Diego Comic-Con at home, mm-hmm. I, I know we're going to hear more stuff coming. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. And obviously, when that happens in July, we are going to be doing some live stuff on Twitch, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. Dude, I'm excited for Con. Yeah. Like, I, I know it's from home. And yeah. I get that, but still. So, it's it's going to be nuts. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely crazy. I know, and especially the month after is DC Fandom. Mm-hmm. And a lot I'm of stuff lined up for that. Hearing some rumors. Yeah, definitely. A lot of video them. game. Just saying. Uh, A couple other panels they announced for the Disney Plus uh, Comic-Con panel. Uh, They are doing one for the upcoming Phineas and Ferb movie, Candace Against the Universe. Uh, And then they're also doing one called Blast Off with Disney Plus's The Right Stuff. Uh, It says, from Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way and Warner Horizon scripted television, The Right Stuff is the first scripted Disney Plus original series from National Geographic. The Hmm. series takes a clear-eyed look at the early days of the U.S. space program. The series follows seven of the military's best pilots as they become astronauts for the newly formed NASA at the height of the Cold War. Competing to be the first in space, these ordinary men achieve the extraordinary, inspiring America to turn towards a new horizon of ambition and hope. Uh, and it's now nom- nom- moderated by former NASA astronaut Dr. Mae Jemison. So that's definitely something to check out uh, with the Disney Plus stuff coming for Comic-Con at home. So that should be real interesting. Yeah, definitely excited to hear about that. Yeah, Disney Plus having some more great announcements. Uh, they announced the other day uh, Summer Movie Nights. Uh, now, this is something very interesting. It will be starting this Friday, and it will be weekly where they showcase uh, or add a new film to the platform. Uh, you know, it's original movies or blockbuster hits or, or classics. Uh, so starting this Friday and every Friday from July 3rd through September 4th, they will be adding new films and featuring them prominently on the service. Uh, this Friday will be Hamilton. Of course, everyone's looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, this will be the real test of the Disney plus servers if they hold cause yeah. good Lord. Uh, also the mighty ducks. Uh, Friday, July 10th, they will add uh, X-Men Days of Future Past and then Solo, A Star Wars Story. Friday, July 17th, they will add X-Men Apocalypse. July 24th, they will add Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. July 31st will be Incredibles 2. August 7th will be the original X-Men movie uh, and then the Peanuts movie. Mm. Uh, August 14th is Ant-Man and the Wasp and then The Greatest Showman. August 21st is Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 live-action version with Emma Watson. Okay. August 28th is the 2005 Fantastic Four, which, funny story, uh, HBO, somebody went to put, somebody put the wrong uh, cover 
for Fantastic Four on the wrong service today. I forget who it was, but, but somebody for the 2005 version put the cover of the 2015 version. Ah, ah. People people caught it, and uh, it's on the internet. You can find it. Yeah. They're also adding Alice through the Looking Glass, and then closing out uh, the summer movie nights with strong February or September 4th, The Wolverine. You know, a lot of good stuff coming. Yeah, no, and I'm, and I'm very surprised. That's where a lot of people... Uh, Because let's not forget, 20th Century Fox, before their merger with uh, Disney, had a deal with HBO for their X-Men movies to end up over there. That's why Dark Phoenix is over on HBO uh, Max, because HBO Go is not a thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, It's why it's on HBO Max. It debuted on HBO Max and not Hulu or Disney+. Plus. So I think this was very surprising for a few people that maybe they figured out the wording of the contract and were able to add those movies to Disney+. Plus. But hey, that'll be cool. Yeah, it's definitely... I mean, the more content you can get, especially for Marvel trying to get everything under their roof. Mm -hmm. I mean, because... You're having a better setup than HBO Max where, hey, stuff doesn't leave unless there's a pre-existing contract yeah because i know i know some stuff from disney just left Uh, a couple movies i'm blanking on them at the moment but i read about them this morning Uh, they went over to stars but that's because of a pre-existing contract once that contract's up they're gonna all go back Mm. Uh, switching to some interesting news you can you remember scott pilgrim versus the world hell yeah great movie if you haven't seen it i know classic i know it was on uh netflix at one point i Mm -hmm. might still be there uh directed by edgar wright uh he gave an interview the other day uh with entertainment weekly uh, he where he revealed that he has been involved in ongoing talks with the comics creator Brian Lee O'Malley and the film's executive producer about revisiting the material in an animation way as opposed to following up with a direct sequel to the 2010 film. Uh, he said, quote, there's some plans and there's nothing official yet, but there are some plans to revisit the material in an animation way. Uh, we've been talking with Brian and with Jared for a while about it. What if we did something with the books in anime form? It's been discussed. It's being discussed as we speak, close quote. So that'd be real interesting. I also would like to say I'd love a sequel to the 2010 film because it definitely leaves it open for more. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, uh, but I'm also like on the, on the side of like, I don't know if I want to see this. Sequel. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of there. I'm kind of there, too. Like, it's one of those if they can do it right. Sure. But. Mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim is fine as is. Yeah, like I, I like I hate I hate when they just tried to do it to do it for nostalgia reasons mm-hmm. instead of like a really good story. Yeah, no, but if if you got the comics creator on board, the director on board, and the producer on board, it sh- if they do it, it should be amazing. Will Chris Evans come back? Oh, I hope so. I, there's a list. There's a lot of. Actors. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of actors in that movie that, like, when I saw it the first time, I, I didn't realize it. But I rewatch when I rewatched it with my girlfriend a couple months ago. I was like, holy shit! There's a lot of people. In yeah, this. like it's so underrated for like yeah. how many people were yeah. a part of that. Yeah. Uh, switching to some video game news. Uh, a couple years ago, there was some leaked footage. I'm pretty sure you can go to YouTube and still find it mm-hmm. of an upcoming Harry Potter game. Now, Harry Potter games have been hit or miss over the years. You know, the Lego games are great. Some of the movie. Tying games are yeah, little little cookie cutter, and mm. I remember some of the earlier games on PlayStation Two were pretty good. Uh, but there is an upcoming one, and then the mobile ones don't even get me started on those. Yeah, uh, there is, but there was leaked footage that came out of what looked like a new Harry Potter game, and I want to say this was like 2017, 2018, and everyone got real excited because it was around the time of E3, and everyone's like, "Oh, we're gonna get a new uh, Harry Potter game announced at E3," and nothing came of it. Right, uh, and. But report came out uh, earlier this week uh, from Bloomberg that Warner Brothers Interactive is working on the game, and it is uh, set to be released in late 2021 for PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. Hmm. Uh, it's been, like I said, been long rumored, never officially announced. It's one of those things that, like, 
are you or aren't you? Uh, there was, a, like I said, I suppose a game leak in 2018. Uh, two anon- according to two anonymous sources close to the project, uh, revealed to Bloomberg that the project is very real and that it is in development by Disney Infinity Studio Avalanche Software in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sources confirmed that the leak from 2018 was real, but many of the rumors that have come after are false. Uh, also said, that despite the C-19 pandemic and the possible sale of Warner Brothers video game publishing business and uh there's been some backlash against jk rowling which is a whole other ball yeah of that's old yeah. uh the game is on track for its release next year uh should be real interesting because i was reading some stuff the other day that it's open world and you can kind of go wherever you like i i got my wish list of what i'd like to see in it but i kind of want to see some gameplay first because when you say harry potter rpg game and there's talks that it's open world you're gonna set a lot of high expectations yeah i mean to go into that franchise uh-huh. it's a huge deal oh yeah and i mean that fan base is pretty rabid even though it's, yeah. it's been a little quiet over the years but yeah. I mean, they still got fantastic beasts so yeah yeah I mean, still got the fantastic beast film but you know to that's been i think the one thing fans over the years from the books up to the movies have always wanted but have never gotten is like and a way to experience going through Hogwarts Excel itself. I know there was somebody who came out with a uh, thing for Minecraft that you could download and play as if you were going through Hogwarts yourself, but it's not the same. It's it, To get something that would be akin to going to Hogwarts it's, itself, as somebody who grew up reading the books as they were coming out and watching all the movies as they come out, I'm absolutely amped for this. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds dope. It's going to be awesome. Uh, switching over to some more video game news. Uh, obviously, with no E3 going on and all the other gaming conventions going on, not happening. Uh, it looks like Square Enix is going to announce several, quote-unquote, uh, new games in July and August. Okay. Uh, they had originally had a press conference planned, obviously, for E3. Uh, and this is, of course, if a recent stockholder meeting is any indication. Uh, they had a meeting back on June 24th, and when asked about the ongoing C-19 pandemic had affected plans to announce new games, uh, Square Enix representatives said new games were, uh, were originally to be announced at the now-canceled E3. Uh, they said, quote, we would normally announce new games at E3. Yes. Uh, we had planned to have a press conference as a replacement event, but we were unable to do so since assets were not complete. We'll be announcing new titles individually as timing permits. Several several will debut around July to August, close quote. So kind of interesting to see what they go, where they go. Obviously, it might be something with uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, when we'll see the next one or even something in regards to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X coming out, because I know a lot of games that are coming out for the current gen are promising, like, hey, if you buy it on this gen, when next gen comes out, you'll get it for free. Yeah, and that's smart business, too. Smart business, you know, maybe they'll announce something with that. Maybe Kingdom Hearts 4, because Lord knows I'm in that period of my life where I'm like, I'm ready for Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, Lord knows I'll probably have to wait another ten years because Square <laughs> Enix. That's why I laughed when I read this article. When I read this article, where they said uh, we had planned to have a press conference as a replacement event, but we were unable to do so since assets were not complete. Really, Square Enix missed something because something wasn't ready yet. Color me shocked. Yeah, exactly. Like no surprise there. No, I, that's no. why. I, like I keep on hearing all the, about the Avengers game coming. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Well, Don't get me wrong. Square Enix does a lot of good work. The track, oh, yeah. the track record is there. Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy. Fantasy 8, Final Fantasy 10, the remake, Kingdom Hearts, you know, just run through the lineage of games they're responsible for. The track record is there, but you do got a track record of missing uh, release dates. Yeah, that's something they're definitely going to have to fix. So it's, it, I, you know, honestly, if they have to miss a press conference to yeah. get a video game done, yeah. I'm fine with that. Just get it done on time because yeah. I'm really waiting to see that Avengers game. Yeah. But then again, that's also the same day Tony Hawk remake comes out. That's, and, that's true. And you know what? 
that's going to consume my life for a little bit. So. Probably. And I did see a trailer the other day for Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Uh, I, I know I was kind of on the fence about it a couple weeks ago. I'm going to have to get it. Oh, okay. But, You're officially sold on it? Well, I'm sold on it because it doesn't look as bad as some of the other song-based games that they've done in the series. Okay. Uh, it's it's gonna. It looks like it's going to feature music from the series up to Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't think they showed anything from Kingdom Hearts 3, but I know they showed stuff from the first one, second one, and then some of the ones in between 1, 2, and 3. Um, it looks interesting. It looks cool. And this it's going to have a story that ties into the plot overall. So, well, Lord knows I'll have to get it for that alone. Yeah, I know. That game is just, it, it gets you. Mm-hmm. It, it is your game, man. Pretty much. Yeah, I was going to say. It's just like, you, you got to shoot a line to him so you can I demo it. Yeah, oh, that might be worth a shot because Lord knows I tried to demo Kingdom Hearts 3 at uh, New York Comic Con last year and I got shut out for four days. I mean, we, we have the capabilities to shoot a DM. That's true. I think we're going to have to make this happen. Like, we'll put it on Twitch or something. Ooh, ooh. Mm. Giving a little free uh, free advice out here for that. Have to wait and see on that. So for my one shots, uh, let, let's see where to begin. I will say let's kick off talking Doom Patrol. Okay. Now, Doom Patrol Season 2 came out. DC Universe, HBO Max, respectively. Yep. Which, ironically, today, uh, or late last night, actually, as we're recording, it was announced that they are doing a bundle package. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're an existing DC Universe member, mm-hmm. you can add HBO Max for $5 US uh, to your subscription yep. for the remainder of the year. Yeah. And then after that, it's kind of a little fuzzy. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get a little more translation on that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's like they're going to merge the two or what. I would say signs are pointing to yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, nothing's been officially announced. Nothing's been rumored or whispered. Just kind of looking at things where Doom Patrol is premiering on both DC Universe and HBO Max simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, Stargirl is not as of this point. Um, but there was an email that went out to HBO Max subscribers late last week, early this week. I forget when. That said, they were getting ready to add the, uh, I guess R-rated is what you call it, Harley Quinn animated series with uh, Kaylee Cuoco uh, is getting ready. So I would say signs are pointing to they're going to get merged here before too long. I'd be okay with it. I mean, as long as the shows are still going, such as Doom Patrol, then I'm okay with it. The comics thing, I got to see how they're going to do that. Right. That's the one area that I'm really waiting to see. I'd I'd say keep the comics on the DC Universe thing or whatever you're going to call it and then just drop the price. Yeah, I'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, because I, I can't. I guess I can't. What, what's DC Universe now? Like seven a month, eight a month? It's eight a month. Eight a month. Drop it to maybe five or six. Yeah, they do it at five. I, I think they want to compare to Marvel Unlimited. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of like your benchmark right now to bench to base off of. But it's really interesting interesting to see what's going to happen there. And I think that it, people should jump on it right now. Mm-hmm. That if you're not familiar that you already had Doom Patrol, you can get all everything coming with HBO Max as well, too. I know they're really trying to get everybody hyped up for the Snyder Cut. But, no, let us talk some Doom Patrol. Okay. Came back three episodes they dropped on the Friday. Now, I think this is going to be something moving forward that you're going to see a lot of the streaming services start doing mm-hmm. is instead of doing the entire seasons a la Netflix, Mm. they're going to space them out. We already know Disney Plus is going to do that with the Marvel shows. It's going to be one every Friday. Same thing that they've been doing with The Mandalorian. So this one, we are lucky enough we got three out the gate. The show did not miss a beat. So I'm going to be talking some spoilers. I'm going to try keeping it spoiler-free because I know a lot of people have been trying to catch up. So I'll, I'll try keeping it as free as possible. But where the show picks up is you still have the most dysfunctional superhero team on the face of the earth still trying to find their way. 
and they were dealing with the ramifications from last season when they had to deal with Mr. Nobody and the big reveals from the Chief that he was responsible for making the Doom Patrol who they were. And it's kind of a very fuzzy area, I will say that. The dynamic has definitely changed with certain characters. Brendan Fraser, who plays Cliff Steele, a.k.a. Robot Man, and Timothy Dalton, who plays the Chief. There is definitely friction between those two, but you're also getting some underlying feelings from Cliff that he's just a man that is just very, very angry for how life has been dealt to him. And you can understand why. He's uh, just found out his daughter was alive. He tried making a reconnection at one point during the episode. Right. Which, I mean, how is it that you decide to pull up on your now grown-up daughter who is pregnant Mm -hmm. and your robot man? Coming to the front door. Hmm. You can imagine when as well as it did. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's going to be maybe an underlying uh, storyline going on throughout sure. the season is just Cliff coming to terms with he's no longer a man, he's a robot. Mm. Um, you're going to kind of get that vibe too. You're also getting a lot of reflection in characters. I mean, Negative Man, played by Matt Bomber, picking up right where he left off, uh, definitely dealing with his character and just, you know, the ramification of his actions. Mm -hmm. You're also seeing Diana Guerrero, who has been the star of the show, in my opinion, picking up right where she left off with Crazy Jane, uh, dealing a little more with drug abuse right now that she's, she's using that. I don't know. It was like more of an escape to drown out the multiple personalities, or you're just getting a little more of her history, which I, either way, they're still telling that story and you're seeing how fractured they are. Albeit, though, the one character that is seemingly accepting and coming together with everything that is involving her is April Balby's Elastigirl, Mm. which I didn't think Rita was going to be the let's be a team player, Mm -hmm. but she kind of is right now, and she's really trying to embrace the superhero lifestyle of mastering her powers. And I know that Cyborg has been working with her. Jovian Wade has been really stepping his game up for this series thus far. Yeah, he's been a bright side to being in the Doom Patrol universe, which like we've talked about in the past, too. He's so much of a traditional superhero mm-hmm. that when you mix him up with the Doom Patrol, it's really not supposed to work out. But yet he's very much stealing scenes he's in and has still not lost the Teen Titans Justice League mm-hmm. element of his character. Sure, sure. So it's definitely working out like he's starting to slowly get some screen time and develop his character a little more. And obviously, dealing with the storylines they're touching upon, too, this year, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see where they're going. Because now we've met the Chief's daughter, Dorothy, Mm -hmm. played by Abigail Shapiro. And she is a very unique character. Uh, Arguably the most powerful character in the Doom Patrol universe. And still is a child, though. And you see the, the backstory going there. And it's literally straight out of a Grant Morrison comic. Okay, It is everything you would expect. It's absolutely wild, it's bonkers, it's funny, it's crazy. And how they're progressing with the season, it's been really good. And so the underlying theory of what the Chief is trying to do to extend himself and his life, because as you find out, he's been trying to tamper with immortality and see how long he can progress his life to stay one day alive longer than his daughter. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, he explains it, because right now you're seeing how the Chief cares about his daughter and how he's subsequently caring about his team, which has become his family, which you didn't, I don't know, you didn't really feel that vibe that first season, but I know they're really trying to push it this season. Mm-hmm. And I know we've only had a couple villains thus far appear, 
So I'm not sure what the major antagonist is going to be. They did do the Red Jack storyline mm. from the comics. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be the complete end yeah. of that character this season, but they did do it for one episode, and it was everything you were expecting from that. Okay. Not going to spoil. The Doctor Time one was a very, very funny a little out there episode, but it's everything you want to see from Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about that show is just it gives you enough that as quirky and as messed up as this universe is, you find yourself rooting for these characters, even though you're kind of questioning why. Like I said, Robot Man, I just I can't stop laughing a lot of times because he just comes out and is def- definitely the guy that is like, what the F are we doing here? Right. But yet he winds up stealing the scenes too. And like I say, I can't talk enough about the performances being done by Diana Guerrera and Matt Palmer. I like those two have really been killing it and have really stepped it up. I mean, it's only three episodes thus far. Right. So where they're going the rest of the year, be damned if I know, but I'm still locked in. And like I say, I don't think they've missed a beat from last season. And last season was such a hit surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh that I'm loving that we're still getting that. There's more mainstream eyes on them this season. Right. I'm assuming they got greenlit for season three if the wording was right from the press releases we've seen. Yeah. Because they said seasons. Uh So either way, definitely watch it. Make a point to catch up on Doom Patrol if you haven't seen it. Uh, Three episodes in. I know uh, more coming out this week. So definitely, definitely go check it out on HBO Max or the DC Universe. Either way, support the show. It is fantastic. Speaking of shows that are coming back for mm-hmm. season two, we did get the first press release promo from the Umbrella Academy 2 Ooh. coming out July 31st. Uh, you did see the uh, picture of the team w- with shades on and the quote the poster, same weird family, new weird problems. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, definitely following the Gerard Way book. And when it's coming back in July, it's it's supposed to pick up right where it left off. Uh, a little bit uh, completely crazy what's going to happen. Don't want to give away too much on it, but you're going to hear a lot more character development. And they have some new characters joining. I'm just going to keep it completely spoiler-free. All right. So definitely mark it down in July. It's going to be a fun show coming out on the 31st on Netflix. Definitely binge-worthy to the letter. And talking shows returning we did get a press release out for The Boys Season 2. Oh, yeah. The Grant Morrison, Derek Robertson, not safe for work superhero team. Arguably is, not safe for life. Oh, my God. This whole book is just NSFW to the definition. Mm-hmm. But the show has captured that and brought it to Amazon. A very sleeper hit for some. Definitely, if you're a fan of the book, you knew what you were getting and you got it to the – like. They did not hold back any punches. Like right. there's one thing when you have a book that is, I don't want to say controversial because it's not it's not a good answer, but when it's so crass and blunt and directly in your face, yeah, you get that with the show. And they sometimes it doesn't translate on screen. Sometimes they kind of water it down a little bit so it you don't turn off viewers. Right. No, no, this one is as. Bad as you can imagine in all the good sense. Oh, boy. And so far, we know that they're coming back September 4th on Fridays. Um, so, And it's going to be going till October 9th. So they are going to be doing dropping new episodes each Friday. Okay. So they are going to be taking that instead of doing the whole binge season at once. So eight episodes is what we're looking at right now. 
A lot of stuff coming out. I know they've been adding some new characters. Stormfront is getting added, so uh, get ready for her when she shows up. Yeah. And where they're going this season, like if you've read the books, you know, definitely not safe for work, definitely not safe for kids. Uh, Yeah. I will say, but I absolutely enjoy the show. And like I say, when when they're dropping episodes, they're dropping three on the premiere day. Uh, So, again, like Doom Patrol. So I don't know if that's going to be a new thing happening. But they're going to go straight through October. Definitely worth watching. I highly, 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 highly recommend it. Man, there's going to be so much good stuff coming on. So we got June right now with Doom Patrol, July with Umbrella Academy, September with The Boys. Man, it's a good time to be on streaming right now. Yeah. And I have to give a couple quick comic plugs Uh because it was announced that there is a new Harley Quinn book coming out from DC that's going to be all digital. Now, the name of it caught my eye. Okay. And, Pat, I'm not sure you're familiar with this series. Probably not. But we'll take a shot with it. Have you ever heard of of the comic series Batman Black and White? Nope. Okay. So this was a series that was out, I want to say, early 2000s, maybe late 99. Okay. Um, and this book was just a bunch of short stories written and drawn by various writers and artists. Sure. All black and white, all definitely different stories. I, I always remember because the cover of Batman Black and White, number one, was drawn by Jim Lee, and that was, I believe, the first time he drew Batman hmm. for DC. Uh, it was a fantastic cover. And the stories inside, I mean, they ranged from every kind of crazy idea you could think for Batman, right? Um, throughout the history, I, like I, trying even to narrow it down is is very tough. I always remember there was one that was just a common criminal that was talking about how he, he was like telling the story about how he killed Batman, right? Like it's just a very different book, but it's very very well done. Like they had so many different influences going on throughout the Bat history. So now, seeing this one coming out as it's been announced, digital first, Harley Quinn, black and white and red. Hmm. And I believe it's going to be done in the same vein. That makes sense. A little bit. Um, they're saying the series is going to span about 14 chapters, according to IGN's story here. And there, it's going to have a bunch of different creators throughout the history of her uh, joining back in. It's just going to be doing a lot of different things. And it's very interesting to see. Uh, when this comes out, I believe they, according to the article, like I said from IGN, they're saying the first, the series first chapter is available to purchase now on readdc.com, Comixology, and other digital uh, sites. So definitely go check that out. And I mean, like I say, if you're a fan of Harley Quinn, I think it'll be something you'll be interested in. Yeah. And I always love it when the when they allow a character like such as Harley to be really like have the creators run wild with because she's always such a fascinating character. Yeah. That, like, much so with Batman, which Batman, you know what you're getting, but when you let that character step outside the norm, mm-hmm. you can get some really fantastic stories. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think you're going to have the same thing with this one, with Harley Quinn. And I know everybody's saying, well, you know, Harley Quinn's crazy, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. If the writers and artists can really develop something and keep in the same kind of vibe that black Batman black and white was, I think you're looking for a fantastic book to add. Even though it's going to be all digital, which, I mean, it is what it is. I like picking up paper copies myself. But either way, I think you should definitely check it out. So head on over to readdc.com and do it. And let us close this ODPH edition out with a joint yeah. one shot. Yeah. Because, Pad, you you were very, very gracious in hooking me up with the book. Yeah. I'm going to let you take the lead on this. 
Let's deep dive. Yeah, so, of course, uh, as we record, it is uh, the day that new comics come out at the local comic shop. Uh, and I figured, out, you know, I got some free time today. Why don't I stop down and see what they got? I uh, happened to come upon a very surprising uh, Walking Dead comic, which I was a little surprised. I was like, wait a minute. The sh- uh, comic line ended. What is, what is this? Uh, it is Negan Lives. Uh, it is from Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adeland. Of course, the famous duo who's worked on uh, Walking Dead comics for years. Uh, and it, and it, it's as the comic title says, Negan Lives. Don't want to spoil too much for you. It's If you're a Walking Dead fan, highly, 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 highly recommend you pick it up and give it a read. Uh, there's a little letter at the end of the issue which kind of details how the comic came about and when why it was made. And there's a little interesting P.S. at the end of the letter. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, should we give a spoiler warning for this one? Yeah, definitely got to give a spoiler one. So if you don't want to be spoiled by the book, because we are going to talk a little bit about the book and a little bit about the big, uh, what we thought was kind of a Easter egg per se, question mark. It uh, was an Easter egg big enough to get me a retweet from the Walking Dead Twitter account. Yeah. Put so it to this one. It's kind of a big deal. So we are giving you fair warning. If you don't want to know it and you haven't read the book yet, you've been warned. But three, two, one, pad. What was that spoiler? Uh, at the end of the letter, it says, P.S. Clementine lives. As yeah. in Clementine from the Walking Dead Telltale video game series. Yes. Which completely out of left field because Clementine has never, to my knowledge, featured in the comics at any point. No, she has never appeared in She's there. never appeared in the comics. The comics is all Negan-focused. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a group who... Who you know runs into Negan at one point in the issue, but Clementine is not one of those folks. No, it's definitely not. Like it, it takes up, I believe, uh, somewhere around Walking Dead one seventy four, something like that. Yeah. When he disappeared, and it was is his swan song to his dead wife, not mm-hmm. Lucille, even though we do think it was. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of Negan reigniting that fire to yeah. be Negan. Again. I, w- I will say the first page, the first panel was probably the funniest thing I've read in a lot in a long time. Yeah. Just because it's written for who he's talking to, but it's also like a Deadpool fourth wall break because it's like, he's talking to the audience. Yeah, it definitely is. Like it was just something, you know, Kirkman loves writing. Yeah, oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. But no, yeah. The, the big surprise and big reveal out of left field had no reason being mentioned in this letter is PS Clementine lives. Yeah, so that one, we don't know where that's going. I mean, Robert Kirkman has been known to throw a complete curveball at people. Mm -hmm. So it's not to say that he did not do this Mm -hmm. uh, on purpose. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's tough to figure out like what he's trying to say with that. And like, yeah, no, and it was like I said, it was enough that on my my own Twitter account, I I posted uh, quote, did Robert Kirkman do what I think he did in the letter at the end of Negan Lives? Because if so, holy shit, I won't post spoilers. But if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, then you have to read it. And I included a couple hashtags. Uh, lo and behold, not long after the official Walking Dead Twitter account retweeted it because uh, there might be some uh, fire behind that smoke. Well, we've always said throughout the history of The Walking Dead that certain characters needed to make their appearance in that comic universe. Daryl Dixon is obviously number one. Mm-hmm. But Lee and Clementine from the Telltale video games has always been one that fans have yeah. wanted to see. Oh, yeah. Whether on the on the actual TV show or on the comic form because mm-hmm. the whole storyline that they've done there, yeah. I mean, they do tie in characters from the TV show. Yep. It, it's, it's a very moving story. It, oh, it's, it's gripping. It's gripping and it hooks you and you don't expect that from that game because it's in the same vein as choose your own adventure. Yep. So to see how well received it was and how popular it was, mm-hmm. it was definitely something at the time you're like, whoa. Yeah. 
definitely mind blowing on you. So to have Kirkman just drop that out of nowhere in a, in a book where again Lee and Clementine, you know, Clementine does not feature in this story in any way, shape, or form. Has never featured in the comics for a random one-off that was done to help the comics industry get going again. There's got to be something behind it now, whether it's they're going to do a, a comic run based off of Clementine or there's going to be more video games. Who knows? Yeah, because the only thing that Kirkman was doing with this as well is he did have like a five-page preview of his new book, I believe it's called Firepower. Yeah, something like that. So who knows where they're going with it. But just the fact yeah. that, just the fact of how he ended it is yeah. knowing Kirkman, it could mean nothing. Yeah. It could mean something. But I don't think he was done with doing the Walking Dead series. I think he just needed a break. Cause, Probably. Because you figure for how big that comic got yeah. over time. Oh, yeah. And where were you going with it? Just the variations of that story that him and Charles Edlard wrote and mm-hmm. drew. I mean, oh, yeah. where like where do you even go from there? Yeah, like, that, that was about as shocking as if Charles Soule were to include a letter in a Star Wars comic and then just at the end go, you know, that's set in like Return of the Jedi time. And then just, oh, yeah, hey, here's, you know, a random letter. And then at the end, P.S. Mace Windu lives. Be like, wait, what? Yeah, it was definitely eye-catching. Like, wait, what is going on here? So yeah. stay tuned, I guess. He's going to yeah. have some news breaking. Something I mean, will be coming. But, yeah, I mean, would he go back to the series? I mean, is it, I think at some point. I, you know, at some point you would imagine he would. I, I think how he left abruptly, it was just more feeling maybe burnout than maybe. anything. I mean, he always kind of claimed, well, yeah, I knew it was going to end like this. I don't necessarily know. I'm not saying he he just went for a money grab with it because I, I don't think so. No. But I think there's a lot more to it that we don't know. And obviously mentioned the Telltale games. Who knows what that's going to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was him, I'd add him to the TV show in a hurry. Yeah. I think you could definitely get some viewers coming back for that. Yeah. But very, very interesting stuff. So definitely head down to your local comic shops and go pick that issue up. Mm-hmm. That being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that of Shout at the Robots. You can find out everything going on with SATR and our good friends at Floodlands, Walking Distance, Honker, Fair City Fire, Second Suitor. The list goes on and on and on. But where do you find that list? OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. It's under the music section on the ODPH webpage. You can also check out the ODPH directory, which we have friends of the show, such as Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, who is rumored to be coming back on the show at some point. Hmm. Wait and see about that one. I, th- I think Moose heard the uh, Ryan Bombard show of Uh-oh. the MCU, and he definitely wants to address that Uh-oh. egregiousness of Captain America the Winter Soldier being so low. Uh, but we'll definitely have to stay tuned for that. And you can also check out Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. Shout out to him. He's doing the Final Fantasy remake. Still going strong with that, Pad. All right. Yes, and he is still apologizing for his Ratchet and Clank comments. from pa- Power Rangers still sucks. Wow, wow. And, although I will say, uh, saw on the online the other day, uh, happy birthday. It was like the 20th or 25th anniversary of the Power Rangers movie. Yeah, it was something wild like that. Which I was like, holy crap, I didn't realize that movie was that old. Yeah, Tom has, a, I believe, a new article up on that hashtag show.com talking a little Power Rangers and talking the Cayman Rider kickoff mm. uh, for the international audience. So definitely go ch- over and check that out. If you, if you need some directions, hey, that's why we have the ODPH directory for. You can also check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, the voter registration, so definitely get out and get registered to vote. And you can also check out our fellow podcast friends and all the amazing groups we're in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse community. And of course, shout out to hashtag 607 Podcast, Rich, Ron, and Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter pad. Oh boy. 
Still has not been kicked off. Still oh, is bringing the heat that he can do in front of a paywall, but not <laughs> behind it. Yeah. That he can get away with for right now. But if you want to get all the diesel you can handle, sign up for patreon.com slash A122productions. And $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. And you can hear all the exclusive content, such as Love is Scary, the hottest show on Patreon. And I Love Movies by Ron, who has definitely got some real good reviews coming up. He, I kind of got uh, tipped off of some he's going to be talking about. Okay. Definitely willing to check that out. And, of course, you can hear that wrestling show that I am co-hosting with Rich on there as well. So, so much going on there. Definitely go over and check that out. Everything that is the ODPH you can find on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. 35 days in, and we still don't have an app for HBO Max on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. I don't care who has to get that done. Get it done. Enough said. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 